Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome to the Yoga Hour Offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien Welcome to the Yoga Hour. It's my joy to be with you today and a very special day. This, uh, If you're listening in real time, it's September of 2020 and it is uh, the occasion where we are celebrating the 100th anniversary of the great yogi master Paramahansa Yogananda arriving on the shores of America. So today uh, we are so um, blessed to be having a conversation with Nayaswamis Jyotish and Devi um, about this legacy. And they are the spiritual directors of the Ananda Sangha worldwide. And um, I welcome you both to Yoga Hour. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. It's really a joy for us to share with you. Yeah, we're very happy to share this time with you. Uh, and on this very auspicious occasion. Um, I want to tell you a little bit more about Nayaswamis, Jyotish, and Devi. Um, as I mentioned, they are spiritual directors of Ananda Sangha Worldwide, which was founded by Swami Kriyananda, a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. Jyotish is the author of several books on meditation and related subjects and the creator of Meditation Therapy. And Devi is the author of Faith is My Armor, The Life of Swami Kriyananda. They're co-authors of the book that we've drawn some inspiration from today called Touch of Light. And there are many books in their inspirational series like this that are about living the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda, which, of course, they have been doing for so many years now. And we'll get to hear about their journey this morning, their journey of love, of faith, and devotion. Um, to uh, Paramahansa Yogananda and his powerful teachings. You can find out more about them, about Nayaswamis Jyotish and Devi and their programs at their website, which is ananda.org. And you can slash there, forward slash Jyotish hyphen and hyphen Devi. So before we begin our conversation about the legacy of Paramahansa Yogananda, let's take a moment for a centering meditation. Let us acknowledge God, the infinite, unbounded field 
of divine consciousness, that one reality called by many names, which surrounds us and indwells us and is the life of our life, heart of our heart, the breath of our breath, and we live and move and have our being in that reality. And today on this very special program at this time of celebrating the centennial of Paramahansa Yogananda's arrival in America, let us also attune our consciousness to his, the great soul who revealed to so many the pathway home, how to find the divine within you, as you. So for us now in this moment, as we contemplate our relationship with the infinite, and we inwardly attune our consciousness to Paramahansa Yogananda, Let us simply be here now, aware of our breath, open, receptive, breathing in, breathing out, being, knowing we are immersed in God, that God is our life, our support, our nurturance, our guide, So for a moment, sit, breathe, relax. And even in a very short moment like this, which we can call a yoga moment, a moment of returning our attention and our awareness to the divine self, that supreme consciousness, that pure existence being, that is our life, that is unmoving and unchanging. And as we do that, we notice Our breath evens out a bit, becomes a little slower. Thoughts begin to settle and we can touch the peace that is within us. Let's invite that peace to fill our hearts and our minds and our bodies peace within us, peace around us, peace between us. And may that peace be shared with all in our mind's eye Let us see our world illumined with divine peace. Peace, peace.
peace, peace. To conclude our moment of meditation and contemplation, I want to offer a quote from Paramahansa Yogananda, who wrote, avoid a negative approach to life. Why gaze down the sewer when there is loveliness all around us? One may find some fault in even the greatest masterpieces of art, music, and literature, but isn't it better to enjoy their charm and their glory? Life has a bright side and a dark side, for the world of relativity is composed of light and shadows. If you permit your thoughts to dwell on evil, you yourself will become ugly. Look only for the good in everything that you absorb, the quality of beauty. So once again, I have two beautiful souls with me this morning, Naya Swamis, Jyotish, and Devi, who have so much to share with us about living these teachings that Paramahansa Yogananda brought to the West and exemplified. And um, I want to say that um, I feel really blessed uh, to know you both and to be aware of the vital energy of the Ananda Sangha worldwide and how you are carrying that light of master's teachings really throughout the world. I watch you from afar traveling to India and Italy and of course being um, at the beautiful headquarters in Grass Valley um, there for Ananda. So I hope in this time together people will um, receive some of that beautiful blessing from you and learn about how the light from Paramahansa Yogananda and your own teacher, Swami Kriyananda, have, has illumined your path and allowed you to become who you are today and do what you do in the world. So first, um, let us just learn how it began for you. How did you discover the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda? I was, this is Jyotish, I was... Um just graduated from college. I grew up in the Midwest, and then I moved to San Francisco immediately upon graduation. And while I was there, my brother-in-law suggested that I read this very interesting book, Autobiography of a Yogi, which I read, and it absolutely, uh, I don't know, answered so many, many questions that I had. And then shortly after that, I we met Swami Kriyananda. But I think the story, my story is similar to so many where someone who has read that book and been moved by it introduces you to it. Yes, my story is, in, is actually parallel. I was, uh, I also uh, grew up in the Midwest, born in <clears throat> St. Louis, Missouri aware of Unity Village there in Missouri, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, went away to college and was just about to graduate and was looking for what was my next step. I really didn't know. I, I had seen my life as far as graduating college. And then in the last semester, someone gave me autobiography of the yogi. And I remember wanting to learn how to meditate and just didn't have any instruction 
and went into a nearby church on campus there and just sat down. And I want to encourage everyone who listens to this podcast. Uh, Uma Ellen Grace led such a beautiful guided meditation before our discussion to try to meditate a little bit every day. That very first day I tried to meditate, I knew nothing about what I was doing, but I sat down and I felt this joy just welling up inside of me. And I realized it's all inside ourselves. And then from there, I uh, found out about Swami Kriyananda, who lived in, uh, who was just starting the Ananda work in uh, Northern California. And I went and moved there. And uh, that's been the beginning and one might say the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm I'm thinking about you know in, in some parallels, of course, in in our lives. And for me, I remember being drawn to meditation. And part of my story is having this deep spiritual yearning. And you know, I had heard that you know the kingdom of God is within you, but I had no idea where the door was to get into that <laughs> kingdom or what the kingdom was. And so. Um, that's one of the principal teachings that I believe that Yogananda has given us all. You know, how do you get into the kingdom and what is it? And, you know, once you realize that this is a journey in consciousness and what yoga gives us and Kriya Yoga in particular, you know, how to quiet the mind so that you can experience meditation and through that uh, your own divine nature. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, you were introduced to Autobiography of a Yogi um, and to master in that way. Um, you know, I think each of us has something about that book that just grabbed us, you know, um, that that made it, you know, didn't want to put it down or that it just had a strong impact. So what was that for you? What was it out of Autobiography of a Yogi that, you know, just impacted you? For me, it was not the spiritual aspect. In fact, at the time I found the autobiography of a yogi, I would have to say that I was not an atheist, but probably an agnostic. And But I had a deep and intense desire to find truth and to find the scope of human consciousness. I had studied psychology in college, but it didn't satisfy uh, the desire to know what human consciousness really was. And I, I was at a dead end. I didn't know where to go. And then autobiography spoke to me about the vastness, the potential of our own consciousness. And it wasn't something outside of me. It wasn't dogma. It wasn't some other belief system imposed upon me. It was my own consciousness and my own potential and so that uh, of all the stories in the autobiography that was the element that I picked up out of them what it was for our own mind and our own being and then the religious aspect or spiritual aspect came along a little later for me I think for me it was uh, more about the personal relationship with God 
at growing up, I, from t- uh, throughout my childhood and young adulthood, I would find myself talking to God, but asking him, why, why, do, why do such things happen in this world? And I think a lot of us right now are asking those questions, too, of God. But I never really felt a response. And then in reading the autobiography, there's story after story about how people in all walks of life call out to God and how God very, very dramatically and tangibly responds to their questions and their calls. And I think for me, that was it. It was like, wow, there really is somebody listening. There really is a responsive universe. And I just wanted to explore that as deeply as I could. I love listening to your story about that because as I as I listen to you, I think, well, you know, there's the Gyan Yogi and there's the Bhakti. Um, and you know, Master was all of that. And of course we all are. You know, we we as as we walk the yoga path and uh, take it up in earnest, we develop all those aspects, like you were saying, Jodish, you know, later um, the devotion, the spirituality came, but first the intellect you know, really wanting to discern what is true, what is reality. And Davy, it sounds like for you, the heart of love for God and searching for God. And and then, um, the, of course, the Gyan Yoga comes in, well, what is true about this? And, you know, for me, um, not coming from a religious background, but having a deep spiritual yearning, what called to me about autobiography was something different as well. And that was um, the teaching about the the nature of reality, the nature of God as being one in all the religions, that pointing to this harmony of, you know, as the as the Vedas say, you know, one truth known by many names. And that was so profound because I hadn't heard that teaching in that way. And yet I knew it in my heart. So it was an affirmation of, you know, this, what we think of as many is really one. And also for me, the um, master's connection to Divine Mother and his reverence for Divine Mother, you know, growing up in the West, uh, I felt like I was a child of a divorce, you know, where the mother's name was never mentioned in the house. And so, you know, that was so healing for me, um, especially, I think, as a woman looking for a spiritual path where, you know, we could really connect to the infinite and understand that, of course, ultimate reality is beyond male or female, but to know that the feminine aspect of divine reality is real and welcome. So that was just just wonderful. So uh, I know in your book, Touch of Light, you know, there are many stories about how autobiography tends to be a living presence, I'll, I'll put it that way, um, of master in your lives. And it continues to um, give you support and guidance and nurturance today. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, I've read and so has Davy, and many, many people have read that book multiple, multiple times. 
But it's such a profound book that whatever level of consciousness you have, as you come into that book, you draw from it according to what you're able to receive. And then as you as a person deepen, or your uh, discipline deepens, or your spirituality deepens, however you want to describe that, then you come back to that book, and it's almost as if it's got chapters in there that you never saw before. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. And so so reading that uh, multiple times is very helpful. We also have a man in the community who each year gives us a day uh, in uh, a daily quote from the autobiography as a little calendar, one of the tear-off calendars. And having a paragraph or two that you can focus on each day is remarkably helpful because sometimes if we try to take in too much at one time, we don't digest very much. You know, I do this practice, and I know other people do it as well, to use the autobiography as sort of a guide. And often throughout my life when I'm really stumped, how do, what do I do? What, what's the answer to this problem? How can I understand this situation better? I'll open at random the autobiography three times. Uh, and in one of those, and just wherever my eye falls, and <clears throat> out of those three times that I open it, there's always once where it's like the direct answer to my question. So I think we need to, what I've come to realize, and I suggest to others, see it as a living teacher. It's not just you know, ink on paper, Yogananda's consciousness is very much alive, very much present. He came, as we know, uh, this is the 100th year of his anniversary of coming to the, the West and beginning his world mission, as you said. And uh, we need to understand that it, he's not a historical figure, but he's a living reality. Yeah, that presence, that consciousness is is there. We can certainly tap into and um, learn from and be guided by. Um, you know, it is interesting. I, I remember a story that my teacher, Roy Jean Davis, told, which was about someone asking Master, um, why are so many people attracted to your to this book, you know, to this autobiography, and he said that Master's response was because my spirit is in it, and of course, you know, that's what we feel, um, and that's the the sense of presence that that we have, you know, when we approach that book. And there's so many stories, and I know you hear them, and I do. You know, I ask people, how did they come to the path? Well, you know, somebody gave me a book. And, you know, we also hear stories of being in a bookstore and, and the book just jumping off the shelf in front of somebody. So there are all kinds of wonderful um, stories about that. And I was I was just reflecting on, um, you know, as I heard what what you first gleaned, you know, what what touched your heart and your soul and your mind, you know, when you first came to that book, um, you know, it it is so vast because Master's consciousness, of course, is so vast, and 
so there's so much in there that, of course, it continues to guide us. But it, it, whatever the need is of a person coming to the path, they will find it because in its vastness. Um, but what occurred to me is that, you know, the, the ministries, the teachings that continue on um, now, 100 years after he came here, also have that vastness. You know, there's there's so much that has flowered uh, where he where he stepped, where he walked. Um, tell us a little bit about. We're going to go to the break in in just a minute, but just a little bit about where those seeds were planted with Ananda. Well, obviously, our main connection is Swami Kriyananda, and. It's not only for us the anniversary, 100th anniversary of Yogananda coming to America, but September 12th is the day that Swami Kriyananda met Yogananda. And so it's like a double holiday for us, our holy day. Um, Master said something very similar to Swami. He said uh, he was thanking him for the autobiography, and Master said, uh, he asked. He said it was so powerful. Master said, "That's because I put my vibrations into it." Now, at the time, Swami was totally uh, unconnected with the with spiritual teachings, uh, especially Indian teachings. He didn't know what vibrations meant, but we all know what vibrations meant. And those vibrations, if they can be put into a book. They can be even more dynamically put into a living presence, which so Swami was infused with those, and he in turn infused us. So any teacher not only gives content, but gives the vibration and gives the magnetism of the teachings, and that magnetism is a living reality. And just in the few moments we have, and that reality has spread through Ananda in uh, many, many centers throughout America. We have a wonderful international community in Assisi, Italy, and in centers throughout India, tremendous receptivity in India. So it's, uh, it's a wonderful to see that vibration go out. Thank you. Yeah, it is. It is a joy, really, just as your name implies, Ananda. It's it's divine joy. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guests today, Naya Swami's Jodish and Devi. They're spiritual directors of Ananda Sangha Worldwide, and they travel the world sharing the vibrant teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and the path of Kriya Yoga. And we're talking today about the modern day legacy that uh, Paramahansa Yogananda left with us. And you can find out more about Nayaswami's Jodish and Devi at their website, ananda.org. And we'll be back with you in just a few moments. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour. Living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. 
Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm here today with Naya Swami's Jyotish and Devi. And we're speaking about the living legacy of the great yoga master, Paramahansa Yogananda. And of course, we often refer to him as master, as his direct disciples did. And um, for those of you who are new to the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda, I want to make it clear that, of course, we revere him as a yoga master. But really, um, what he was clear about and what that means is that, you know, he was not master over others, but he was one who mastered himself. And so this is what the teachings of Kriya Yoga tell us that is possible um, to to have mastery of the wily small self in in this lifetime and to wake up and, and to live the um, amazing, awesome truth of our divine self. So that is what Paramahansa Yogananda demonstrated. And he was a master of himself, a master of yoga. So he is called master. So we are celebrating his legacy and how it is so relevant for us today at a time when we really need mastery in our lives. Um, both of our teachers, Swami Kriyananda for you and Roy Eugene Davis for me, uh, were direct disciples of Yogananda, meaning they were with him uh, when he was here in his body and they had an opportunity to be trained by him. Both traveled uh, to meet Yogananda after reading Autobiography of a Yogi. Um, oh, and I know that uh, you had many years with your beloved teacher, Swami Kriyananda, and um, I'm sure that he told you many stories about his times with Master. And so uh, we'd like to benefit from that this morning um, to just a story that um, was really memorable to you. Uh, I'm sure they all were, but one that comes this morning as especially helpful to us in this time. Yeah, there are many, many stories. Um, well, what comes right away to my mind is a story that happened at one point in Swami Kriyananda's life. Master had said to his disciples that I'm in touch with your consciousness. And but that seemed a little bit general. At one point, Swami was teaching, and uh, he he said to someone that uh, he would be giving a class, and the man responded a little bit insincerely, "Oh well, then I'll be sure to come if you're giving a class." Well, Swami had a good sense of humor, and he kind of. Uh, didn't like the insincerity of the man. So he said, well, be sure to check people as they come in for vegetables because they might be throwing them at me. <laughs> and it was just a little exchange between two people. A few days later, Yogananda said to Swami Kriyananda, he said, you shouldn't say things like uh, check people for vegetables. It's not <laughs> dignified. And and Swami Kriyananda, in amazement, said, you knew, Master. And, and Master said, I know every thought that you think. Now, imagine that for all of his disciples. Mm -hmm. So that's cosmic consciousness, because he not only knows it, he's in everyone. Mm -hmm. But he knew every thought that, you, that, uh, that Swami Kriyananda would, thought, 
But instead of resisting that, as some people might, Swami Kriyananda's response was, oh, I'm so grateful. Mm -hmm. Please always guide me so that I do the right thing. And so it's a beautiful story, not only of the power of master, but the the essence of discipleship. Yes. And I'll just share another story. We were kind of playing tag here. Um, again, this was about when master told Swami that his work in this life, his three main things were teaching, writing, and editing, meaning editing master's own teachings and writings, and Swami was a um, very inward man, really. One would have to be to follow the path of yoga. And he said, but Master, I don't want to teach. It, it's so easy to fall into ego if you teach. And Master said, you'd better learn to like it because it's what you have to do. And then he added, living for God is martyrdom. And I share that story. It seems a little harsh, but in the world we live in now, a lot is being demanded of us, particularly those people who are trying to follow a spiritual life and trying to have incorporate God in their life and see the unity in all people, in all religions, to embrace a unified vision of life. It will not be easy, but we, have, we all have a responsibility now. And uh, I share that story in a broader context in that way, that we need to see that it won't be easy to remain centered in God in these tumultuous times, but it's what we have to do. Mm, absolutely. And thank you for that. And you've, you've really sort of led into my next question, which is, um, of course, here we are, September 2020, and um, we're located in, in California in the U.S., um, and it's the time of the global pandemic. And now uh, fires are raging uh, through the West, really, in California and other places in Oregon and so forth. So it's very um, strange here right now. Our skies are uh, a very strange gray, uh, red hue. And, um, you know, people are wearing masks, um, not just from the smoke, but for the pandemic. And um, so how do you find and what what in particular do you find in the teachings of Yogananda that are so timely and relevant um, for this challenging moment that we're in right now? That's a great question. It's almost as if the teachings of yoga, and especially as given to the world and to us by Master, by Yogananda, are the antidote to the problems that we're facing. It's, it's like the perfect antidote. And I'll touch on three things. First of all, meditation. Uh, meditation really is to calm the mind and to get in touch with your own deeper self. Eventually, you will realize that that own deeper self is the universal self that everybody inhabits. But it takes it's a journey getting there. So meditation helps you get in touch with your own deeper self. A second aspect of Yogananda's path 
was service to others. So if you want to overcome the constricting ego, <clears throat> serving other people, thinking of others, caring about others, and Lord knows we have the opportunity to do that at this time. So the less we think about ourselves, the more we think of what we can do to help others, the easier and happier we will find things. And then finally, just to touch on the, especially the, the breathing exercises and Kriya Yoga helps us take control of our own reactive process. So when things are going to come to everybody, but how we react to those things determine whether they become positive or negatives in our life. So meditation service and control of the reactive processes. And also, uh, Yogananda actually during his lifetime spoke a great deal about coming world uh, upheavals. He spoke of a, a depression, a great depression that would be coming. He spoke of this uh, antagonism and tension between countries that could lead to war. He uh, And he didn't mince words about it. He was very strong. And we may be living in these times right now, but we need to remember that what he brought was, it was not that this is the end days. These are the beginning days. What we're living through now is a transition between old thought forms and new thought forms, a new vision of unity that the world can see all humanity as their brothers and sisters. And he said after, he also gave us the great reassurance that after this difficult period, there would be a period of peace and well-being and economic stability that would really balance out what's going on right now. So I think he gave us a message of great hope, and but also the challenge. And as Dratish mentioned, those three tools to really help us to live through these times on a daily basis. And, um, thank you both. That is um, so helpful. And of course, I agree completely um, with what, what you have offered. And, you know, there is a sense that in the midst of this global crisis and so much conflict that is um, showing itself to us, um, you know, the societal unrest and uh, revelations of racial injustice in our own country, um, all of this, um, as yogis, I think we see as an opportunity for healing and um, an opening, you know, in consciousness, as you say, to, to clear the way for us to change the way that we live. Um, you know, we, we, we look at, well, what, what has caused, you know, so many of these things that we're experiencing and, and, you know, master was so strong on the potential that we have as human beings to live a life in harmony with God's will in harmony with the infinite. And, uh, you know, there are many ways that, that we live in the world that are not in harmony with the infinite. And so I see, um, 
you know, not in harmony with nature. I see that we have the opportunity here now, you know, to make a change and um, to see things uh, more clearly and to act um, more compassionately, to act uh, more wisely and so forth. So of all the practices, you know, you have mentioned, of course, meditation and um, getting, reducing our reactive nature and being of service. Um, what, what else would you say in terms of being inspired to act in a time of crisis? You know, I think of a master writing his beautiful commentary on the Bhagavad Gita, and of course, you know, that's exactly where the Gita starts. <laughs> it's a mess for Arjuna and he doesn't, he doesn't want to do it. So, um, how do you draw, how do you draw inspiration when, um, sometimes it's difficult just to get through the day, you know, it looks so gray, um, because the air is filled with smoke and, um, people are, uh, afraid to get close to one another. Um, and there's, they're being cautious for good reason. So how, what inspires you day by day to rise up, you know, rise up Arjun, rise up. What, what inspires you to rise up and meet the challenge and do what you need to do? There's always in, in whatever comes to us, there's always a positive way to look at that and a negative way to look at it. The, what you read at the beginning, that quote of Yogananda's, is a nice statement of that. But the first thing is to keep your mind positive. And so one wise thing out of thousands of wise things that, you, that Swami Kriyananda uh, told us was that when you discover a flaw in yourself, don't feel bad or guilty. Rejoice because it has always been there. You're just now seeing it, and now you can finally do something about it. So all of these problems, the difficulties that we're going through right now, in a sense, spiritually, we should rejoice about it because it's... Uh, discovering or bringing to the surface tendencies that are individual and national that have been there need to be cured, need to be healed, but we haven't had the clarity yet to see them, let alone address them. And so all of these difficulties that are coming we shouldn't say, oh, no, not that. Oh, no, not that. Oh, that's terrible. Or worse, they have to change. As, as Gandhi put it, you must become the change that you want to see. And so for all of us, this reveals the potential to work on ourselves and begin to rid ourselves of those things, not that are uh, hurting others, although they do that, but that are constricting and hurting our own selves. And so this is the uh, healing crisis that will lead to great national and individual healing and, and upliftment. And I think for me, what motivates me is to feel a sense of personal responsibility, not just for my life, but for my own life, but for the welfare of others, maybe even people I don't know. 
uh, Yogananda, when he gave these uh, prophecies of impending world disaster, he also added this, this uh, one might say, a caveat, where he said, these things are not inevitable if enough people right now would turn towards God. This could change the karma, the energy patterns of this planet, and these uh, impending disasters could be averted. And so I think to think about, yes, it's hard to get up. It's another smoky day. I'm working from home. I can't go out and do things I enjoy. But just to think, I have a responsibility to keep my consciousness uplifted because it, it helps uplift everyone else uh, that I know and maybe people I don't know. But for me, that's motivating. That for myself, I could sink into despondency. But I don't. I know that that wouldn't help me or anybody else, and maybe not even the world. So I think anyone listening to this podcast would clearly be spiritually motivated. And I think for all of us to join together and just say we have a responsibility as children of God, whatever faith we practice, whatever religion, whatever practices we do, we have a responsibility to try to keep the consciousness of this planet uplifted in the spirit of God. And, you know, it, it occurs to me, too, that um, we're so blessed to be um, part of yoga communities um, because we have the opportunity. You know, I have been enjoying so much um, just sitting with you this morning and chatting with you, and it has lifted my spirit considerably during this time. So I think about how important the satsang is, the great, the greater sangha in our Kriya Yoga uh, tradition, and of course in other traditions people have that as well. So the sense of community and community uh, lived with purpose, um, which is what Yogananda um, saw. You know, he he saw this sense of intentional community, which you have manifested so beautifully with your Ananda communities. But it takes many forms. You know, in in our ashram in California, um, is a place of gathering, and now of course it's closed. Um, but um, we are online, <laughs> and so community continues. It continues online, and I and I think about these times, and I think, well, a master definitely would have used Zoom, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> he used every cutting edge technology that was available to him, and he certainly would have used uh, the technology of the internet and Zoom. And our, in fact, Ananda's largest community, we have eight or nine around the world, depending on how you count them, physical communities where people live together. Our largest community is a virtual community with nearly 400 members in it. And they exchange, they talk to each other. They, it's, it's really uh, satsang in its highest form. And I'm sure that Master and Swami Kriyananda are saying, yes, go for it. Absolutely. I'm, I have been so grateful um, for that and, and noticed how, um, you know, we, we have live streamed our programs for some time, but this pandemic caused us to really, you know, migrate everything online. And what we've seen is um, people 
you know, coming into our community from different countries and different time zones who, who wouldn't be able to visit our physical locations um, for various reasons. And so that has been one of the blessings that, that we have seen um, during this time. Um, I want to ask you just just one more question, um, or perhaps two in the time that we have left together. I'm, I'm thinking about how, you know, of course, we're all spiritual teachers um, in the world, teaching about Kriya Yoga and teaching our various practices. And people are often curious about, um, you know, our personal life. And, and, I, and I, this isn't a super personal question, but a little bit in terms of what do you do on a, you know, um, that, that also helps to lift your spirits because you're both, um, sleeves rolled up, um, (laughs) with, with karma yoga, you know, with serving. And, um, so, you know, what do you do that renews your spirit and allows you to serve so generously? Well, I'll, start with an answer i think it's very important and i'll say what we do but i think it's important i've found to really be regular in your life right now so to it's easy when you're working from home and your whole schedule is off maybe you're homeschooling your children uh to let your life become kind of blurry but I, I think it's very important, and we really try to do it, to have a pretty set time where we get up, where we, a good chunk of time where we meditate, be regular in our meals, sit down and eat, don't just be standing up eating a sandwich. But in other words, all of these things, consciously live your life right now. That's what I'm trying to do. Bring conscious energy. I try to, uh, Jotisha and I are, are married and have taken vows of renunciation, but uh, to prepare very conscious, loving meals for us. To We have time where uh, we set aside every day where we're answering emails or working on projects. We have time where we consciously relax and, and don't just let the hours go by. Because relaxation, you can do it with a low level of energy or you can do it consciously. What am I going to do to relax now? Jyotish loves to paint. He has created hundreds of beautiful paintings. He's continuing to paint during this time. For me, my creative outlet is cooking, and I'm always looking for new recipes and and writing as well. But to look at something, relaxation consciously, creativity is very, very important. And then always, every day, if I know of somebody that's having a hard time, whether I can give them a phone call or write them an email, but just to feel like I'm sharing light with other people as well. So to consciously live your life, take command of it. It's easy to feel helpless and overwhelmed right now, but it doesn't have to be. If you just say, I will not be overwhelmed by outward circumstances, I will take control of my life and I will, everything I do will be with conscious 
focused attention. It really helps. Mm, thank you, Davy. That is so beautiful. I just um, just heard the teaching from you. Don't drift. Yeah. <laughs> Don't drift. You know, be intentional in how you're living exactly. and um, taking command of your schedule. Um, I think is such wise advice for us, uh, especially today when sometimes it's hard to even tell what day it is. You know, without exactly. our regular routine. So, and. Um, so Jodish, just a couple moments here. I want to hear a little bit about what, how you feed your soul um, as well. Well, all of the things that Davy said, most of them we do together. Um, we also make sure to take care of ourselves physically. And so our diet is good. Uh, we exercise every day. We're fortunate because we have beautiful countryside and we go for a walk every day. With masks. With masks <laughs> uh, uh, so that uh, we make sure that it's safe. Um, actually, we don't need to walk with masks, but we have them so that if we come up to anyone, we put them on. Um, but the more that we have found that uh, it, one of the things that helps a lot is to keep a positive flow of energy, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And that positive flow of energy is like a magnet that brings more positivity. As you drift, uh, you you open up. We had a great yogi here one time who saw a rusty can on the ground and said, uh, you should either throw that away or clean it up and use it because uh, things like that left around draw lower astral entities. <laughs> and so as we drift through life, if our houses are messy, if our minds and lives are messy, we draw lower energies to it, whereas what we want is to draw positive high energies. That is so beautiful, such a good teaching for us and so practical. Um, I want to thank you both from my heart uh, for being on Yoga Hour today and joining me to celebrate the life and legacy of Paramahansa Yogananda. Thank you so much, Jodish and Devi. Um, I want to thank all of our listeners who are with us today and who are listening in on the podcast. Um, and be sure to subscribe to the Yoga Hour if you haven't done that already. Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. I look forward to being with you again. And until then, remember to let your inner light shine into the world, share your peace. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 